Hello and welcome to day one of the very special 12 Days of Christmas this year. Yeah. Massive Attack. I'm Joe, with me is Mitch. Hello. And just for something different this year, we're not going to do just 12 Christmas specials. 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 We're going to do 12 versions of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. So Mitch, why did we come up with this? Well, I think this is where I was getting from my very first idea for these sort of things. I love A Christmas Carol as a story. I didn't realise how much I loved it as a story. Um, (coughs) But the last few years we've sort of been doing all our Christmas specials and things like that and we've actually stayed away from A Christmas Carol as a story, haven't we? Yeah, we have. Dealt with any that's dealt with a story. And one of my best memories of it is actually an American Christmas Carol, which is with Henry Winkler. And I, I think it was a TV movie for all that, but I saw it when I was young and it just stayed with me. And I remember growing up with the, I think it's the Albert Finney 1971 musical Scrooge yep. movie. So those two stories just have stuck with me forever and I love it. And it's just such a trope of Christmas and just a trope for television and a trope for everything that the whole ghost of Christmas past, present, all these sort of things. They're yep. just... It is, I don't know, it's just something that I've just grown up with knowing or thought I knew to a point. Well, exactly. That was so, something. yeah, so it came down. And when every year we've looked for Christmas specials for these things to break down. And we've got a short list of just long of what we could look at. And A Christmas Carol's always been there. There's, there's Christmas Carol porn parodies. Not par- not in the modern day of porn parody stuff, but just a late 70s, early 80s even, they did one. So it, it, it's just around. And yeah, in the end we didn't do it. And it's like, well, we could do a whole episode on, a, a, you know, a whole series of <laughs> yeah. just A Christmas Carol stories. We could do a year's worth. We could. Well, the, the, we've picked 12 for the 12 yeah. days of Christmas and we've hardly scratched the surface. Yeah. I think we've picked a few traditional type ones. Mm-hmm. We've picked a few out-of-the-box type ones. Yeah, we'd have to break it up a little. Yeah, but for people that don't know, and I don't know why you wouldn't know, so A Christmas Carol was originally written by Charles Dickens. It was first published in 1843, and apparently it's never been out of print since. It's such a popular book. And there is just an abundance of versions of it. So the main story, I guess, of A Christmas Carol is Ebenezer Scrooge is a miserly old man. He's a good. Yeah, he is. He <laughs> doesn't like Christmas and he goes out of his way to not celebrate Christmas and make Christmas a bit shit for all of his employees and his nephew and, and stuff like that. And he is visited by his ghost of his ex-partner, ex-business business partner. partner. Well, it could be more. That will make the story a bit more Maybe. interesting. But yeah. I don't know about in 1843, whether it was mm. his partner. But yes, he meets his the ghost of his, his partner, who tells him that he needs to atone for the sins of his life, and he will be visited by three ghosts, who are the ghost of Christmas present, or in the order. It's the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas yet to, come. yet to come. Or in some versions, they do call it Christmas future, don't they? Well, they're wrong. Yeah. But anyway, he's visited by the three ghosts who sort of show him the error of his ways and he kind of wakes up on Christmas morning and redeemed yeah it's a redemption story it's one of those ones where I've explained it but I'm sure most people know it like I said it's a trope now yeah that's being used by everything it's in kids cartoons it's in modern movies it's in sitcoms it's in everything 
Yeah. So we're going to delve as deep as we can with Wikipedia sort of knowledge. We're not we're not scholars in the way of Dickens. There are things I don't know. There's things I don't. I still don't know. But you know, there's some faithful adaptation I'm going to talk about. We're going to say how faithful we know they are. Who's done certain aspects of it better? Because that that's the aspect. There are there's so many things to the story that you open to interpretation. And, and I think that's the problem. And as technology. Well. The fact that I haven't read the original source. No. So I. I have I think a couple of movies that I've watched a lot when I was younger that are for me they're kind of like my source material exactly and then when you watch things now it's how accurate they were to what I thought was the source since then though in the lead up to doing this I've done a bit of investigation and we found a really good podcast that was from BBC Learning Mm. it was an abridged version of the story a production an audio production of yeah and it was fantastic it was well I think it was nine episodes 15 minutes each not overly dramatic I can't even say dramatised, dramatised. Dramatised, yeah. Not overly, but enough that there was different character voices and pretty close to the source material. As far as I could tell. But again, as you said, there's tropes. There's the the tiny Tim, God bless us everyone line that seems to pop up in almost everything. Yep, and Uh, Humbug, which is apparently in there. Interesting in that podcast, Bar Bar said Scrooge. Humbug, yeah. or something like that. So it's not that it's bar humbug always one word. So to start off the 12 Days of Christmas, we decided we would look at a bit of investigation on YouTube and a bit more Wikipedia and internet knowledge and stuff like that to find one that was what pretty was the close to yeah. the original. We thought we'd start with the closest to the true and then we could sort of diverge out. Yeah. So we, we started with the 1951, and this has been done that many times. There's like four or five silent versions. That's how long ago that they've made this story yeah, I think into the, film. The earliest one I think was there's 25 versions of A Christmas Carol, let alone the divergence. Yeah, out of exactly. That. Yeah, so we did the 1951 adaptation called Scrooge. Which was also released as A Christmas Carol in the US, because, I don't know, Americans probably didn't understand who Scrooge was. I, yes. I really don't know why they did it that way. I, why do we do what we do? Exactly. It has Alistair Sim playing the titular Ebenezer Scrooge. And, I mean, none of the other characters I don't. I mean, none of the actors, they might have been bigger names at the time, but meant nothing to me for my limited 1950s English actors' knowledge. Incidentally, mm. Hattie Jakes is actually in it. She plays Mrs. Fizzywig wife and she went on to be in all the carry on movies there you go but I don't think she was anyone in 1951 but when I saw her name in the credits I was like oh there you go Hmm. I suppose I mean we talked about tropes so let's break it down so there's Ebenezer Scrooge so Alistair Sim played Ebenezer Scrooge now compared to the others that we've seen um, from all the drawings you see of him if you've seen an animated version of the the Christmas Carol he's balding he's got a skinny face with a long chin and a long nose very much like Mr Burns from The Simpsons Quite, I, I'm assume he was probably one Possibly. of the influences yeah. for him. So he had that sort of look. Now, Alistair Sim, they aged up for the role, from what oh, I can tell. Oh, but okay. I think because part of the character is when he is sent back into Christmas past, he sees himself at school. And they actually, in this version of the movie, they actually added some scenes that aren't in the, in the, in the original plot. I think they aged him up for the role because they went back in the Ghost of Christmas Past and they see him at school and early days of working. Yep. And I think it was Alistair Sim playing him and he appeared more natural aged. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Because back in 1951, it would have been easier to age someone than it would be to de-age, de-age them. them. Yes, yeah. they don't have those Westworld technologies. Yeah, so it's quite good in it, but I got a feeling of, of very... Watching the whole thing, I kept thinking, did the Monty Python ever do a version <laughs> of this? Because I just felt... 
that. Like, it wasn't com- overly comedic or anything, but he just had a, he had a Monty Python feel. Like, that's the sort of vibe I got from his performance. He's meant to be a miser, miser not a nice character. No. It's all about making money. That's his, that's his whole purpose in life. Yeah. And, you know, everyone who works for him, like, you've got Bob Cratchit, who's his, his worker, who is freezing at his desk and he wants to put one more bit of coal on the fire and it's like, don't you dare, that costs money. You know? Yeah. You haven't you got clothes? You know, put another Put another jumper on or something, yeah. yeah. So you got Bob Cratchit, who's this positive-looking in a bad situation. You've got his, his nephew, Fred, who is his um, deceased sister's only child. Yeah. Um, that he has a, a fondness... Well, Fondness is a strong word. He's attached to well, because for his was, love to his sister. Yeah, you know, he, him and his sister were so close when they were younger. Yeah, and then he I think they say that responsible for him. His his sister died in childbirth. Well, in this movie, that happens. Yeah, it's not it's not dealt with in the book, as far as I can tell. But in this version of the movie, there is a scene where his sister does die in childbirth, and she asks him, "Look after my son." Yeah, that's the gist of that story. So that's why he's sort of still on the scene. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And then the other relationship he has in the Ghost of Christmas Past, he, we, we go back to see what Ebenezer was like when he was in school. And then we also see when he first started work for Mr. Fezziwig, which is a bizarre name. I, I don't know why Charles, Charles Dickens would come up with the name names, of Fezziwig. Like Cobble, you know, yeah. He, I think Dickens had... Fun. Ebenezer Scrooge is, yeah. you know, he's, he's, I think he has a bit of a fun work with him he was the he was the Stanley of the time <laughs> so anyway so we, we go back to when he was a young just starting work and he met his future love yep. and in the book her name is Belle but in this movie they call her Alice of course and they give her a slight backstory in the, in the movie where she didn't have before you find out that in this version of the movie she is working with the poor which you don't really find out if she's got a job or whatever in, yep. in the other one but so basically, he stands her up because he's too busy working, and we get this whole. You know, and they are engaged. Yes, that's but, true. Um, yeah, and she actually calls off their their engagement because he was going to do something, and then he realised he could use that money that they were going to set up their own future to lend to other people to set him themselves up. Yeah. And then make more money in the future the for that. Itself, and she yeah. was sort of like, you care more about money than us. And I can't compete with that. So, yeah. so that was the turning point of him. So he just threw himself into the business of making money, essentially. Because it, it's not quite established what he does for a job. He's a money lender, but he's got a factory. So Has he got a factory? Apparently, yeah. So there's, there are facets of his what he does. He, he he's, maybe has his hands in many pots. But the way I kind of looked at it, he was kind of like a almost a stockbroker. And he was selling... Like, pork bellies or something or corn in, in one version well, yeah so it's all very he, misleading and he goes to the exchange because mm. different versions as well there's early on there's a couple of people that come and try and get a donation for him for the poor and in some versions of what we've seen they see him at the exchange and other versions they come and see him yeah. at his place of business sort of thing but yeah. yeah but anyway so Ghost of Christmas Past shows him what he was like I suppose starts off he comes home and gets and all of them seem to have it there's a door knocker yep. and the door knocker takes the face of a ghost. I think it's meant to be Jacob Marley, mm. but the, and every iteration seems to stick with this one. Yep. A lot of them deviate, but this one always seems when he comes home that night, Christmas Eve, the door knocker turns into the face of Jacob Marley. Yeah. So, okay. Then he goes in and he gets visited by Jacob Marley, who we talked about. Now, he's carrying these chains. He's got these chains that are the, that he has created for himself in the way he lived. Yep. The, the worse you live your life, the more chains you create and you carry that to the 
afterlife. And he's given him a warning. Now, something Deku Mali does as well is his jaw is tied up. Like, it's being held on. I don't know if you see old, like, goodies episode when they've got when the mumps got or mumps. something. Yeah, they, I thought that they tie well. your face up, like, with a with handkerchief around with a knot on the top, keeping your jaw together. I don't know what this is to do with it. It's probably in the book where it's more described as to why and how. And maybe it's something to do with being 19, 1843 or whatever. It could be because back in those days when they died, they tied the rope around their head to stop the draw dropping with rigor mortis. So it could be but something to do with that. Probably something to do with that. Yeah. That makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, so you've got this Jack and Molly character. He's come up and he's warned him, you have a chance for redemption. You will be visited by three ghosts. Heed their warnings. The first one will come at one o'clock. And he's, he's befuddled, to use language of the time. And he's all like, oh yeah, that's cool, cool, cool. So he thought it was just laughed it off or whatever. It's no big deal. But he was petrified by it. He yeah, was freaked well, out in the situation going, this is bizarre, and then washes it off. When it disappears, it was like, oh, it was nothing. It was just um, a stomachache or something a, I'd a, eaten. A piece of uncooked potato yeah. or something, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so that's cool. Then the, And obviously he is a bit worried because the clock strikes one, and he's like, okay, you said there was one. And there's a lot of talking to himself in this. It's very theatrical in that way, yeah. like a one-person play almost. And the Ghost of Christmas Past turns up. Now, the description in the book is it has no real form. Like, it's very ethereal. Yep. In the fact, and it says it looks like an old man and a young man and this and that. So it's a constantly changing anamorphic, amorphic thing. Yep. And it's a, it's a light as well. It's a, it's luminescent. It, it's like a candle almost. Yeah. That it's a, and it actually carries with it, what do they call? It's like a cone that you put on top of a snuffer. Is that right? Yeah. Which you put on top of candles to put them out. Yep. I don't know why people had a device to do that when they could have just blown them. But anyway. So. It doesn't create smoke. True. So you didn't want the smoke alarm going off in 1943. No, true. Good point. So yeah, it, it re- was a representation of something. It wasn't a personification of something. Yeah. Even though it had a face and it communicated, and it turns up and it communi- and it talks to him, saying, "We are going to go back in time." So first place it goes to in this movie and I think in most is him at school and he's excited he, he's actually happy for the first time you've seen him where he goes I do you know where you are I know the way this is yeah. well, I'm, this is my school I know this and all these boys are leaving on horse and carriage and he goes oh that's Jack and that's Bob and that's this person this person oh he was always such a big boy and this and that and they go where, where are we going they're all going that way let's go this way so oh, they're going into the school and he sees himself and at Christmas Eve and it's all associated with those bad everything happened to him around Christmas yeah. and this is all all the boys have gone home for Christmas. His father doesn't want him home. So he has to stay at school by himself. So you're getting that first hint of that memory. Then it jumps forward and you'll see his sister comes to visit. And basically you get, oh, dad's not a prick anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he, was just me making this up now, but his mother died in childbirth and dad blamed him for it. Is that why the dad doesn't yeah, like him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so. Kind of that whole Game of Thrones thing. Mm, so his sister says, oh, dad's better now. He wants you home. It's all going to be good. So he comes. So I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, so so there's a joyful, happy memory there where it's yep. him and you get to establish of him and the love of his sister. And, and that's great. And then it goes forward to Chris and that's when he goes to Fizzywig, like you yeah, said. Yeah, so his dad's organised to, to get him a job. Got him a job working for Fizzywig. this company, which is apparel company, I, I think, think so. Or, fur, yeah. or cloth and haberdashery. I don't know. But I don't think Ebenezer's doing that sort of stuff. I think he's doing he's a bookkeeper the accounts. Or something. And, yeah, yeah, the books. Yeah. So he works for the company and it's Christmas Day and then Mr. Fizzywig comes in and he's a joyful, happy person. He goes, it's Christmas Day. What are you all working for? Books down, clothes up. We've got to move all this out of here so we can have our feast. And he puts on a rollicking hell of a party. Yeah. You love it. Him and his wife are getting down, dancing. There's music. There's food everywhere for everybody and all this. And, you know, and you actually... And you, the communication between the Ghost of Christmas Past and, and Ebenezer is like, 
you're enjoying yourself. You can, you can, he's not wait. Oh, he's wasting all this money here. It's like, oh, you didn't seem to think that back then. And that's when he meets his, his future fiance as well. Yeah. So you're getting all these past associations. You're sort of seeing what happens there. And then, you know, the girlfriend or the fiance breaks it all off. Yeah. And that's pretty much the end of it. So he says, because goodbye, the ghost Christmas past. Now, how did they look in this version of the film? They, uh, there wasn't anything really descriptive, I don't think. He was it an was just... old man. He looked like Benjamin Franklin from Bewitched. Yeah. He was a little old man. He was a white, sort of the bald on the top, and he had the long, the skullet, if you'd call it. Yeah. The skirted egg. And he was in, like, white robes and stuff like that. And he, he just sort of had a, a meek sort of look about himself. But, he, you know, obviously in 1951, you couldn't create an ever-changing amorphic no. character. So they sort of made him a very angelic-looking old man, which is a strange choice. Like, for something of past, like, I mean, I would have gone with something a young-looking thing for that reason. Yeah. Because you're looking back. Well, see, for me, I would have thought that more for the Ghost of Christmas present. Mm. But then when the Ghost of Christmas present visits him... Which he's, is next. Which is, yeah, yeah. he's almost... what. You imagine the old Santa to be before they turn Santa red. Yeah. When he's like green robes with the fur lining and, and that sort of stuff. Mm. So we're moving on to go to the Christmas present and he's always represented as this jovial big man. He's a giant essentially. Yeah. And again with acting you can't buy either you can get seven foot actors or you use special effects or you don't bother but in in the story he is big he yeah. is a giant and the first time you see him Scrooge hears a noise he goes into the room and there he is sitting on a, a mountain of food turkeys and fruit and veggies and all this sort of stuff and he's in this a green robe fur lined he's a big man with a beard like I said like a Santa but not not grey beard but you know Younger yeah. and it's a big, strong, beefy man holding a stork, torch, or something, a torch. Oh, yes, isn't it? a torch. Yes. Yeah. So it, this is pretty true to most forms of this, and this is you know spot on. Now this is a black and white movie, the nineteen fifty one version, but there is a colorized version out there. So I watched the black and white. Me movie. too. I, yeah. yeah, but the color, I don't like the look of colorized things, but. There is one out there and they do paint him green and they do all that stuff right. That's all well and good. So he's there and he's... You could imagine Brian Blessed playing him and something like that. <laughs> it's you know, funny he's, you say that because I thought to myself, oh, Brian Blessed would be great in this role. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I, I would love to see a Monty Python version because John Cleese would be this guy. It would be big and booming. and the, But anyway, yeah. I don't know why I kept thinking the whole time I'm watching this thinking Monty Python. So yeah, he he's there and he goes back and he's got the face and he comes, take my robe, come with me. You know. And he takes him, and this is the ghost of Christmas present. So he goes and visits Bob Cratchit yep. and sees his day at Christmas. And, you know, he's there and he's got a massive amount of family because obviously not much to do and <laughs> likes to get on the horn, the old um, Bob Cratchit. <laughs> he's got like six, seven kids. Yeah. And the youngest ones happens to be a little lame. And I don't mean... Not very good. Not very good. Yes. But he's, he's not well. He's on a crutch. They, they don't actually say what's wrong with him, do no, they? They just said he can be saved, but, the, you know... It would take money and time. Yeah, so he's just a sickly little boy with a crutch. Tiny Tim. Yeah. Yep, so, and you get to see... Didn't even have a ukulele. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't tiptoe through tulips. He can't tiptoe because he's on a crutch. Yes. And we just see how much they love Christmas. This family loves Christmas. And despite the fact that Bob Cratch is... Yeah, he's he's not earning very much. They make a, a reference of it quite a bit that he's on fifteen bob a week. Something like that. It's 15 not much. Shillings. Yeah, it's not much. So they get by with the biggest goose that they can afford. They've got a Christmas pudding that's not you know, not massive considering they're such a big family. Yeah. And they're sitting down to Christmas dinner and Bob's like, you know, we should all toast Mr. Scrooge for letting us have this feast. And, and Mrs. Cratchit does not want to borrow that. No. What's her name? Martha? That's <laughs> yeah, everyone's <laughs> mum's name's Martha. But yes. yeah, she sort of goes, Oh, why should we thank him? He's He's a miser, he doesn't pay you enough, he works you too hard, you know, all that sort of stuff. Well, it's all true. Yeah. And you've got you know and so you've got, you know, um, Ebenezer watching all this happen. 
Obviously, they can't see him. He's all watching and he's making arguments. He gets by. His, his family's happy. What are you worried about? And he's justifying it all to the ghost. Yeah. And, and yeah, the ghost of Christmas present, he's a big, booming character. He's like, ah, oh, whatever. He's, he's, he's not meek. Where the, the ghost of Christmas present or past seem to be more meek and a bit... Nah, still snarky. Like, he'll, he'll make comments to the old... Um, Ebenezer and yeah, yeah. What do you mean? You used to like that. You used to like this, but this guy, he's yep. like you said, Brian Blessed sort of picture. He's just this booming. Oh, what do you know? Yeah, using this, and he sort of takes him to task a bit more on it. And Ebenezer is shows a lot of concern for Tiny Tim, mm. and he's like, oh, you know, please tell me that Tiny Tim's going to be okay, and the ghosts all, you know, in the future, I can see an empty chair rested yeah. up against the wall and a, a crutch without an owner. And there's something when, um, like you said earlier, when people came and asked for money, he said, oh, what, don't they have poor houses and this anymore? You know, go, oh, these people will die. Don't you have any sympathy? And he goes, well, there is an overpopulation. Maybe it'll solve that problem. And this is where the ghost of Christmas present always throws it back at him. Yeah. Saying, oh, what about the overpopulation? One, one less mouth to feed, help the world out. And he goes, don't you use my words against me. So he's, he's starting to sort of be challenged a little bit. And yep. there's a chink in his armor of sort of like, but, but, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's seeing the real world for the first time in a long time and it's sort of coming out so one thing they don't do in this is one of the tropes of ghost of christmas present is he's got these two malnourished kids under his under his cloak called ignorance and want and they're saying beware this is you you know they're sort of like he goes close it i don't want to see it and and it's very strong i mean this was written by charles dickens at the time because of the time it was made was during the Industrial Revolution. There was so much poor. There was so much going on, and people were. It represented a lot of his life in the past as well, and yep. the mistakes he made. But it's also he was looking at the time, and he actually wrote this because he could write. He was going to write a paper about we have to look after the poor. But he thought no one's going to read that. Hmm. If I make it a Christmas story, people are going to read it. Yeah. So it was a genius idea, and what he did. So this is him saying that this is people ignoring the fact, the ignorance and want. It's like that. We don't want to see it. Close that cloak. We don't want to see it. Is it it's a great visual and great idea, um, but it wasn't done in this movie. Yeah. So that wasn't done. Points off for that. Yeah, points off. Yeah, and he so in the and he goes and so if he sees Tiny Tim and he gets a bit upset that he finds out Tiny Tim's not much to do with this world for much longer. And he goes, let's go somewhere else. I don't want to. And he ends up going and visiting um, his nephew. Yeah. So, yeah, every year Fred always invites Ebenezer to Christmas lunch, and every year Ebenezer's like, no, you know, what have I got to do with Christmas? Go and celebrate it yourself, sort of thing. Yeah. I don't need to do it, sort of thing. So we cut to Fred and his wife and all their friends having this big Christmas party, yep. and they're all playing parlor games and stuff, and pretty much bagging out Scrooge for being a miserly old man. Yeah, they all bag him out, but Fred always defends him, saying, no, he's just, yeah, he's, he's, just, just he's, he's just misbegotten. He doesn't get it, that's all. He's not evil. And they go, oh, yeah and the guy's no 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 he's fine he's just he's his own unique man yeah you know, he just defends him he doesn't try and win everyone over he's not trying to convince but he's 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 he accepts him for who he is and just lets it go and they all sort of pick on him for it but they're all very jovial probably having a lot of opium and stuff back then it was probably that time okay i don't know <laughs> the only difference is in every single iteration of this scene in all the movies he's quite well to do it's a quite a big house and all the friends seem well to do but in the book itself he's living quite not meagerly but it's, it's very yeah he's living okay because that's what because scrooge always talks about him saying you know he could do better and he's mm. throwing his money away and he's doing this look at what he's living in but yeah he always seems to because you compare it to like bob cratchit's place he's got staff in some versions you mm. know and stuff like that so it's not like he's living meagerly like that so yeah, yeah so you get this version he looks at it and he has a bit of fun and he sort of defends his nephew a bit when he nephew defends him and he sort of has a go at the other people picking on him and he's trying to justify his decisions to the ghost all the time and the ghost goes present doesn't have a bar of it he's sort of 
tops it off. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Christmas present. And he's like, I've had enough of this. I'm sick of being choked on. Let's go. Yeah. I want to go home. I'll take my robe. So then he gets left and it's one more ghost to go. He, he's a bit, you know, as, as far as the acting goes, he's a bit freaked out by this point. You know, he's sort of going, oh, what's going on? There's one more coming. He's dreading. And then, yeah, the, the third ghost turns up and he's normally doesn't have much of a character. He's more of like a hooded Grim Reaper type. Essentially, well, we consider the Grim Reaper from the old AIDS commercial from the 80s, if yeah. you remember that. It's a... Without the bowling ball. Yeah. It's a cl- it's a cloak figure with no form and a bony finger is pretty much what you see yeah. in most iterations of it. And it's all the, up to the actor playing Scrooge at this point, because it doesn't say anything. It just points. That's all it does. It looks ominous and points. And it's him being taken to various places in the future. And him justifying it, or trying to justify it, or he's wrestling with his own demons essentially because there is no one else to act with. It's just him, and this is where a good actor makes these scenes yep. work really, really well. So it, they're all very similar, like what? the iterate, like how they make these. This one they go a little bit slightly off the main book because they come up with the death of Scrooge, where they don't really say that it is Scrooge. They're just talking about someone well-to-do dying, and all of his staff are kind of cashing in on his possessions. And we see the washerwoman that's got his bed curtains and all that sort of stuff. And it then turns out that yeah, it's Scrooge that's died, and all of his staff have kind of stolen his stuff, and they're going to trade it in. Now this is a bit I, I never got this in the fact because it's it starts off with the businessman sort of saying oh his funeral the only people are going to go I'll go but only if they feed me if they yeah. put food on and he's like have they no respect for the dead and all this sort of stuff and it's blatantly obviously talking about Scrooge yep. this is what I never got even as a kid he's always surprised when the dead person they're talking about is him. is him yeah that's what I never got but they sort of reveal it so you've got the businessman talking about you know no respect for the person who's died saying I'll only go if there's food and then you've got his staff have literally taken the curtain straight off the rods and other belongings yeah, of him his pocket watch st- and- straight off the dead body and they've taken it to a fence to um, get get what they can for it and they're all laughing about yeah. who he was and what he was and just disrespect and stuff and he's he's getting more and more angry at these people for disrespecting a dead somebody yeah. you know so they take him away from that they go see the Cratchits and it's a very solemn solemn Cratchit home which yep. is normally very, very happy with a very loving family. And, yes, and it, it's got the family there, and they go, no, please, don't we don't want red eyes when your dad gets home. And essentially you've got Bob Cratchit coming saying he's just picked a, a lot for Tiny Tim to be buried in. Yep. So they'll all go there next week and say goodbye and see where he's living. It's a really nice plot. It overlooks the town, and you can see that. And it's just, it's pretty heart-wrenching. Yeah. Oh, it's meant to be. It's written yeah, exactly. for that purpose. It's really well done, and, and this gets to Scrooge a little bit. It's like, oh, but Tiny Tim, you know, he's really, he's starting to break at this point. Yeah, and then obviously the the final straw is the ghost takes him to the graveyard, and we see the gravestone. A, a very unkept. No one cared. No one has looked at this gravestone since it's been laid there. Yeah. It's, it's and um. And then he's like, "Oh, please, please, don't show me the name of the gravestone." And then when we see the gravestone, obviously it says Ebenezer Scrooge. And again, this is one of those lines that every version seems to have. It's like you know, is are these images of things that are or things that can be changed? Various versions of how he says it. But obviously, it's it's kind of the trigger that makes Scrooge realise to change his ways. Yeah. It's, you know, if I don't do something now, I'm going to die an old and lonely man. And then the ghost throws him back to his bed. He wakes up 
And he's like, well, you know, was it a dream? Have I slept through Christmas so sort of thing? Runs to the window. This is done in every version. Yep. Opens, throws open the window, looks down, and there's a boy walking past. Now, I always found this weird because I grew up in the 70s and 80s of Melbourne in Australia on Christmas yep. Day. One, it's not snowing. Two, Christmas morning, no one's working. No. I don't live in streets with two stories looking over cobblestone things. But I'm thinking, what's that kid doing on Christmas morning? He should yeah, be home playing he, with yeah, his toys. Exactly. But why is he not that. opening his presents? It's 1843. But yeah, he yells out to the little boy. Yes, do, you do boy! You know, do you know the poultry shop? down the road sort of thing and it's like again why is the poultry shop open but obviously they didn't have fridges in those days so you'd buy your turkey on that day so yeah he sends the little boy down to buy the prize turkey out of the window and send it to the Cratchit's house so Bob can have a decent meal yep because the turkey he has he actually makes a comment it's like you said it's about the size of a chicken now I guess a goose or prize turkey wasn't Uh, I don't know how big they're meant to be or for that but yeah but obviously obviously a lot bigger than a chicken the Cratchit's have got a small one which is they're they're stretching out (laughs) to feed the mass family that he has but then he sends him the prize turkey and anonymously too yeah it's not like a, oh, I sent you this he yep, sends a prize turkey off to them and it's interesting though for, even before he talks to the boy when he first wakes up and he's jumping around and he's like oh I'm giddy as a schoolboy. I'm I feel like I'm drunk and all this sort of stuff he's he's just happy that he can change his ways well he's in his head that's yeah. what he's yeah and then we jump forward to Boxing Day obviously where Bob Cratchit's coming into work a little bit late oh well no he goes off to lunch oh he does he, yeah, he goes and has lunch with Fred doesn't he, he? he takes up the invitation and they're very shocked by it and sort of weird in the fact that all all the friends are there and they're like oh we all shit canned him last night and now he's here but he's come in and some versions he dresses up as Santa and that and others this one he doesn't but you know he's there and he's joyful and he's friendly and giving and they're all like okay now I'm in and it's just a happy day and then like I said yeah so the next day Bob Cratchit comes into work a little bit late and he's a bit worried that he's late and what's Scrooge going to be and Scrooge sort of puts on that angry voice and goes oh Cratchit what are you doing late and he's like well I've got a good mind to give you a raise and, and yeah gives him a raise and gives him the rest of the day off or what's he say does he say well we'll go and talk about your raise over a glass of warm punch or something and mm. And then, yeah. And we're going to sort out Tiny Tim. Yeah. And and then the narrator sort of goes and he became like a second father to Tiny Tim. And it's like a complete, I almost said a 180, but that's not right, is it? it it's, no, 180 is right because yeah, it's, it's turn around. If it's a, a complete turnaround, when people say, oh, he's oh, done the 360, 360 yeah. he, he's gone back to where he was. Yeah. There's no change. We've yeah. established that I don't know math. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a 180. He turns from being the town bastard to being, you know, a second father to Tiny Tim and the best boss that Bob Cratchit can have and just a general nice guy. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it shows you that everyone can change and all like in takes, Rocky Four. Yeah, all, all it takes was a visit from four ghosts in one night scare the shit out of you and he becomes a good man so, mm. so the fear of death and being forgotten yeah I mean so that this is the original I mean that's the Christmas Carol plot so yep. we won't go this deep future episodes no, exactly. we, we, we can sort of just address the topics going forward but this is sort of like a very well made proper production 1951 English production so I mean the budget seemed alright there wasn't a lot of special effects in there for its time I guess the morphing of people coming in and out of scenes and things like that but there's not a lot like even I just was watching a bit then to see the Ghost of Christmas Past and he didn't even have bony fingers it was literally a guy in a cloak and you saw a hand come out and point so they didn't even go to that much effort yep Acting, I mean, comparative, all the all the characters did what they had to do. Tiny Tim was suitably, they're meant to be a very likeable character. It's someone you're going to feel sorry for, and when you find out they die, it's like the Ewok at the end of Return of the Jedi that dies. You know, you feel terrible for that thing. So Tiny Tim is that plot device in that way. Yeah. And he's suitably whatever. He's not, he's not, you could easily hate a Tiny Tim character if they overdo the cutesy on them. This one's fine. Mm. So it's a really Alistair Sims movie. And, and he does it well. Like, I thought he was good. Like, I, I don't know if he had the right look 
No, he didn't look like what you picture. But yeah, yeah. I, I think he acted the character well. And but I he, really he's do very like. Funny as well. Like, he smiled a lot for a miser. Like, he, was, he wasn't angry. He was sort of almost at other people's misfortune. He was quite happy. Hmm. He sort of had a, a f- jovialness about himself and about other people's misfortune to a point. Yeah. Hmm. But, uh, and. I mean, the hard thing, and there is a YouTube, and I'll link it or tell you when I remember what it's called, but it actually <laughs> compared a bunch. It did best Scrooge, best Cratchit, best this, best yeah. Ghost. And that was, it's really entertaining and funny. And he actually brought up the point that, you know, there's some do it really well, where you start off as this grump miserly, and the character does change gradually till the end. <laughs> some of the actors, they'll just be the same character until that last ghost, and then all of a sudden they're jovial and happy all of a sudden. So you don't get a real character development, per se. They're just a character change. <laughs> Where, from him, you could sort of see the character that was... And then it became, and then it went back again. You sort of, there was a, a morph, there was a change. Yeah. point. So, yeah, and it was, as a movie, it was really fun. I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an old film, and I do like my old films. You, yeah, you, see, I'm you've not a huge fan done. of old films, but I actually did really enjoy this. And I could watch this again. Like I, like I said, I love this story, and I'm loving it more now we're delving more into it, and yep. there's so much more to it than just the superficial love I had for it. So I'm looking forward to watching more next Christmas or whatever, maybe not mm. for this sort of thing, but I will watch more A Christmas Carols out there because it's just such a great story. Mm. All righty, but that's probably a good place to wrap up the 1951 Scrooge Christmas yep. Carol. We're going to go with and it's on another YouTube one. if you want to watch. Yeah, YouTube Daily Motion. There's a few places online you can watch it. So. In good quality. Yeah. So yeah, tomorrow we're going to go to one from our youth and one that I can remember watching a lot when I was little, and that's the Mickey Mouse Christmas. So yes, we'll wrap it up there, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank see you, you tomorrow. Mitch. No worries.